Hello, everybody, and welcome to the AMPM podcast. My name is Manny Coates, and I will be your host. And this is the show where we discuss all things Amazon private label and how to generate recurring revenue streams 24 hours per day during the AM and the PM, hence the name of the show. Get it? AMPM podcast. My buddy makes the world's strongest coffee. It's called Band Coffee. It's actually really tasty and it's on Amazon. And so this morning I drank my normal 24 ounce coffee, but this time it was with Band Coffee. And let me tell you, while I was bouncing off the walls with an insane caffeine high, I was making money. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. Manny Coates here, and I'm here with my good friend, Kevin King. Kevin, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. How's, how are you doing, Manny? I am tired, but excited. <laughs> it's been a long day. It's Friday. It's the end of the week, and uh, I know uh, we've been hustling over here. I know you have, too. You've got a lot of things going on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, you know, money, money never sleeps, Manny. Friday is just another day in the world of making money. Money never sleeps. I know. I've heard that so many times from you. So <laughs> I need to sleep, though. Manny needs to sleep. So, hey, so today I want to talk to you about a few things. Uh, for those of you guys that don't know who Kevin King is, um, he's a big deal in this industry, actually. I met Kevin, um, I guess, almost a couple of years ago. Um, he was talking about, I saw him on a group. He was posting something about Spanish keywords. And I reached out to him, um, to ask him a few questions about it. Cause it seemed kind of weird, implemented it. And then suddenly my sales skyrocketed for that particular listing. I'm like, wow, this guy knows what he's talking about. Had him come on. We did a podcast, which became one of the most popular, if not the most popular podcast we'd ever done. People wanted part two. We did that. Um, and then Kevin's gone on to speak at events. He's uh, the lead mentor over at our Illuminati Mastermind live conferences. He comes on the monthly training. Uh, he's got a brand new, super awesome uh, beginner's course. Uh, it takes you from beginner to, I would say, a probably an intermediate level. Um, maybe even you've even got some advanced tactics in there. That's called Freedom Ticket. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about all of these things, but I kind of want to go back almost to the beginning where all of this started because we have you know, it's been, been a while now. We have a lot of new users that have come in that are just starting out. So I think we should go back to the roots and just talk about the basics and how to get started, what to do, what you look for, how you get products, that kind of stuff. So if you've got some time, that's what I like to do. What do you think? I, I'm ready, Manny. <laughs> we can, we can do it. Uh, all, right. all right, cool. So your latest thing that you've done was freedom ticket, right? And that's at freedomticket.com. That's, uh, that's something that uh, we partnered on. It's really, really cool. It's good training. You want to say just a little bit about that? Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, I really didn't want to do the freedom ticket. Uh, you know, we, we're doing the Illuminati and you and I are so busy running our own businesses, doing the, the, the more advanced training. But, you know, I just, there's so many courses out there. There's so many YouTube videos, Udemy courses. Every Tom, Dick and Harry has a, a course on how to sell on Amazon. And to be honest, I started looking at them and a lot of them, they're just, they're just, they're, they're crap. Uh, you know, you pay a lot of money for something and you get in there and it's, uh, it's, it just doesn't teach you much. And most of them that are good, there are a few really good ones out there. They're teaching everybody the same formula. They're saying, this is the formula, do this, this, and this. They don't teach you how to think on your own. They don't really give you the fundamentals. They don't really tell you, this is how the business works. This is why it works that way. So that you can use your own information, your own brain to go out there and really find uh, your, your success. And what happens is everybody's doing the same thing. They're saying, fits in a shoebox, weighs less than a pound, has this BSR, has this many sales, has this. And it's like a magic button um, that 
you're supposed to push. And frankly, it works for a few people, but for most of them, it don't, it doesn't. So with the freedom ticket, I developed, it's like 21 hours of training, like 60 modules, a lot of over the shoulder stuff. Uh, and I start from the very beginning. It's not just like, here's what to do. And next week you're going to retire. It's like, this is how the business works from the incorporation to the, the trademarking, to the launching a product, to the PPC. It's, it's a very thorough course. Uh, and the feedback we've gotten, we just had the first group of about 150 students go through it. And the feedback has been overwhelming. And the thing that I like to do that probably my favorite thing about the course is every Monday for the people who are a member, I do a live Q and A and I don't know what's going to be asked of me and I answer every single question. So you have direct access to me uh, every single Monday for about an hour as a live Q and A. And I think that I think a lot of people are saying that's their best benefit is, is because in, in business, you know, if you listen to the guy that wrote rich dad, poor dad, or, or some of the big business leaders, they say you need a mentor, not an advisor. An advisor is someone who may have gone to school or may have studied it and has given you advice, but they've never actually done it. You need a mentor and we all need good mentors in this business, someone that's actually doing it. And frankly, a lot of the people that are teaching these courses, they aren't doing it. Um, or they might've done it and launched one product. And then they're like, you know what? I'm not making too much money here. I can make more money selling a course. And they're doing the course and they're just, they don't really know the business side of it. Uh, and they don't really know. And so that's what I'm trying to do is trying to be a mentor to these people and really help them because, you know, last Amazon just put out a stat last year. Uh, I just saw this actually today, something like 700,000 new Amazon seller accounts were established in the United States, just amazon.com, forget Europe and other Amazon marketplaces, just in the US, 700,000 new accounts were established last year on Amazon as third party sellers, like what we do, the FBA sellers. And, and then they, they analyzed how many of those were still selling after, after one year. It's 13,000. And they, they determined that sales are based on they had one seller feedback. They had to have at least one seller feedback and they considered them continuing to sell. So that shows you the 700,000 new accounts. You know, some of those are probably Chinese guys doing all kinds of crazy stuff or Indonesian people doing stuff for the bots or whatever, but, but only 13,000. So a lot of people are out there like this market is saying, you know, Amazon is done. There's no opportunity, you know, should have been in three years ago. Uh, it's too saturated. There's nothing further from the truth. As if you look at that, you know, you can look at the people that take these courses. You can look on the left and the right, and, you know, those two people aren't going to be there in a year. So it, it weeds itself out. Um, so, and what I'm trying to do is, and one of the reasons is because most of these courses and most of the training that's out there is not really teaching you what you need to know. They're teaching you, they're trying to teach you a magic bullet and the people bite because they're like, I want to get rich. I want to quit my job now and look at this guy. And they're not really teaching you how to do a fundamental business, how to really make this into a real business. And that's what I'm trying to do. And I enjoy helping people. And I, I like to shoot it straight. You know, I've had my failures and my successes and, and I, I don't sugarcoat it. Uh, and I think a lot of people like that. Absolutely. And, and I know that when we partnered up on this, one of the things that I wanted was to make sure that there was no risk for anybody. I know that you were going to just blow their minds and all the training, all the tactics, strategies. But I said, you know what, if somebody, for some reason, it's just not for them, you know, it just, they just don't gel well with the way you, you know, you're, you're presenting something. I said, you know what, there's a money back guarantee. Give it a shot. We're pretty confident that everybody that takes this is going to love it. It's going to take you to the next level. And as you mentioned, they've got you as a mentor. They've got you uh, coming on where they can actually ask you questions live, right? And you can answer their questions and actually yeah. uh, help them out, which is, which is crazy. I wish I had that uh, when I started this a couple of years ago. And to go back to your point, you know, where, where people might say, oh, it's dead. It's too, too crowded. It's not guys. You know, I doubled my numbers from the previous year to the last year and I'm doing this 
uh, certainly not full time at this point, right? Because I'm, I'm running Helium 10 and the podcast and the uh, Facebook group and all kinds of different stuff. Um, and I was still able to double it. So if you know the tools and the, the strategies and you've got a mentor that, I can, act, that can actually help you with this um, and, send, and teach you the fundamentals, like he says, the basics, what you really need to know and not just what everybody is regurgitating, what everybody is saying, uh, you know, you need to do then you can go pretty far. And you're right, Kevin, because a lot of times, a lot of things you see in these courses don't even make sense anymore. Like they're saying something like, that was like two years ago, three years ago. That's not, that's going to put you at a disadvantage now. And there's a lot of YouTube. I mean, you can get some good knowledge out there. I mean, listening to podcasts like the AMPM podcast or some other really good ones, that's a great way uh, to get some good knowledge and to get your head around the terminology and, and to learn some stuff. Uh, but, uh, and then there's a lot of YouTube, uh, Facebook groups, you know, but there's a lot of misinformation in these Facebook groups. There's a lot of so-called experts that'll post stuff or post an answer and it becomes a gospel. And it's, there's nothing further from the truth. I mean, I, I, I get disillusioned with some of these Facebook groups. Sometimes there's so much misinformation. Yeah. And what really works and what doesn't work. The other thing also to keep in mind, guys, if you're looking at courses, um, you, you've got to kind of, you keep your eyes open. Okay. Most courses out there have affiliate programs. So if you're reading a review, you got to step back and ask yourself, is this somebody that's, you know, shilling this, are they promoting this to make a, you know, make a dollar off of you? And if so, is this really an honest review? So I recommend, you know, do your own research, go out there. Maybe if, if, if these guys have money back guarantees, you know, check them out. And if you don't like it, get your money back. Same thing with, uh, with, with freedom ticket, you know, check it out, see if it's for you. And if not, you know, there's a money back guarantee. One of the things that like uh, Kevin said, though, is you're going to have access to him through the Q and A's and that's done on a regular basis. So, um, you know, I, I have not actually uh, partnered with, uh, with too many people on things. Uh, Kevin's one of the few people that has the integrity that I like that actually knows what he's talking about. He's not just selling courses. He's actually out there, uh, you know, getting, uh, rolling up his sleeves and, and doing this, you know, and the guy, I mean, there's a reason why he's, uh, it's, you know, he's part of the Illuminati mastermind and instructing, uh, what is it, Kevin? That I think the collective now uh, is over $300 million in terms yes. of the group, in terms of sales. Yeah. Yeah. It's more than $300 million of people we have in there. And we just got a fresh group of people in there. So we're going to have to update that figure. Yeah. And who knows? It might've gone higher. You know, we got to add your extra 1.5 that you did this year into that. <laughs> Cause yeah. you know, you're, you're my best student. Oh, come on. Now. Yeah. Hey, uh, <laughs> anyways, guys. So let's, let's, uh, if you guys, by the way, if you're interested, uh, that's over at freedomticket.com. Um, we just wanted to, to present that to you. It's, it's really, really cool. Really high value. Um, for the price. Um, it's, it's an incredible investment. Again, you're going to get Kevin, not just the training. Uh, so it's, it's, it's like one in a million out there. It's really cool. It gets my full endorsement and uh, I, I highly, highly, highly recommend it if you're just starting out to do that because you're going to skip all the pains and <laughs> the, the things that people, um, I guess, stumble over. Or stumble you, know what's, you know what's interesting, Manny? I mean, it's made, the course was made for beginners because it takes you from A to Z on the whole business side and everything. Uh, but we have actually a few Illuminati people that are already selling $25,000, $30,000 a month that have actually taken the Freedom Ticket course. And they've said that it's helped them understand the business. And, and, and even though they know some of the basics already, it, some of the information, they're like, you know what? I had no idea about this. And this is really helping me. I had a lady the other day uh, who, who just bought a business. She bought a, uh, you know, a business and she's like, bought an Amazon business. And she's like, I need to know more about, you know, how to do this, this, and this. And so she's, she's come on. So hopefully I'm helping a lot of people and uh, I'd love to, you know, invite more people in. I, I love seeing people succeed. Cool. Awesome. Well, 
Let's go to the very beginning. Somebody wants to get in involved and let's just say they've got some money together. They want to source a product. Um, should they go to China, first of all? Uh, that depends on what you're selling. I mean, <clears throat> China is where most people go, uh, but I mean, there's a lot of uh, advantages to selling stuff uh, that's sourced out of the United States. Um, sometimes made in the USA can actually get you a lot of extra sales. Uh, if you're selling uh, you know, pet products or consumables or, or something like that, uh, you're probably going to want to stick more to the U.S. If you're selling things made of plastic or toys or some of the uh, you know, beauty mirrors or things like that, you might want to go to China because the costs are significantly lower, but you got to weigh the differences. Um, sometimes once the price in China might be lower, but by the time you factor in customs duties and shipping it over and all that kind of stuff, it might not be much lower uh, than doing it in the United States. Uh, and the time frame to get it out of China is, is significantly longer in most cases than doing it out of the United States. And there's, there's, People that can source, I mean, those are the two big ones. You know, there's a lot of textiles and stuff coming out of India and Pakistan. And, um, but China, I mean, the advantage to China is they're set up for this. You know, they, this is what their whole economy almost runs on is that the world's factory. And so all the, th the, the stuff is in place, you know, from the shipping agents to everything. It's, it's like a well-greased machine versus going to some other places. It's a little more trouble. But sometimes you can find, you know, good stuff. There's a, a an herb in Colombia. There's a there's a, a, a an ingredient in Colombia. It's only found like in the Amazon of Colombia. That's a, a like a kind of like the argon oil of Morocco was became really hot um, uh, a few years ago. And there's a new oil coming out of Colombia that's kind of like an argon oil. It can only be gotten out of the Amazon, uh, and it's used in beauty products and does wonders for the skin and stuff. So sometimes you know you got to look outside the box and you can find find stuff too. But the key on selling on Amazon <clears throat> that a lot of people overlook is you don't want to reinvent the wheel. Amazon, the, the key to making money on Amazon is not, hey, I've got a brilliant idea. Let's invent this and sell it. It's actually seeing what is selling already on Amazon and satisfying that demand or seeing what's already selling and has a problem. And looking by looking through the reviews and seeing what people are complaining about, um, you know, say, and, and fixing that problem and then inserting yourself into that sell stream is the key to Amazon. It's all about Amazon's a very numbers business. If you're not good at numbers and analyzing data, get someone on your team that is, because that's, that's where the money's made. If you're good at looking, it's, it's strictly numbers. It's not an emotional, this is a cool product. My product is better. It's all about the numbers. And, and that's where, that's where the money's made on Amazon. Would you consider, let's say you're researching uh, a product, a specific product, and almost all of the products have three stars, three and a half stars, or pretty low. Would you consider jumping into that market and reading the reviews, finding out what the issues are, building something that doesn't have those issues, and then coming in and being one of those four-star, five-star products? Or would you be like, man, every product has three stars, three and a half. I'm going to stay away because it's probably one of those things that just no matter what uh, is unfixable. No, that's not necessarily unfixable. It depends. I mean, but yeah, no, if everything, most of the stuff has three and a half stars and I think I can fix whatever people are complaining about. Sure. I would go into that market if I thought I could, I could do it as long as, you know, some of those three and a half stars don't have too many reviews because reviews are the social proof in this business. So it's, it's very difficult to compete uh, against if a lot of the products, even if they have three and a half stars and you're going to put out a four star product that you, you think it'll be a four star product. It's still difficult to compete because if, those three and a half stars have 10,000 reviews each because the social proof is so strong still. Um, and, and that's, that's a major factor. And that's, a, that's, that's a disadvantage to people who are entering the Amazon market right now is that there's some products that have been selling for two, three, four years and they have a very strong foothold. 
And I think uh, Casey, I think over at Varlon, she's of the opinion, and I, I kind of agree with him. He thinks that the Amazon's probably going to make a change uh, in the in the next year or two or, or soon, where kind of like what PayPal did when PayPal first started and eBay first started. Uh, some of those they would say, you know, PayPal actually did this. They said, you know, night they they said for social proof they would tell you how many transactions you had done through PayPal. You know, you could see on your PayPal account. 900 transactions, 901, 902, and it kept going up, and they finally capped it at like a thousand. So I think that Amazon's probably going to do something similar because they need it. it they they need to freshen up the marketplace, and, and they may put a cap that reviews don't go above a thousand. You know, once you hit a thousand reviews, it just stops. You're at a thousand, no matter if you have ten thousand or twenty thousand, because Amazon doesn't care. Amazon wants to give the customer the best experience. And so if some of these products that have so many reviews have such an advantage, they may not be the best product. So it makes it hard for someone that has a new product that you're saying here, I have the four-star product and all these others are three. It makes it hard for me to give the customer a better experience uh, because my product, even though it's better and I've fixed the problem, I just can't compete because these guys have so many reviews. And Amazon's all about the customer. And so they're probably going to make a change. Uh, Casey is the one that, that – that, that said this first, and I agree with it. I think that's that's going to be a, a change. And I think another big change that's coming is I think you're going to lose the ability to do uh, email the customers. I think that's coming pretty soon as well. That the, all the feedback service, uh, so, uh, you know, the feedback mail services are, are going to be a dinosaur. Awesome. So you heard it from the Oracle right here. Going to, be <laughs> to follow up through email, and probably all the big sellers are going to say 1,000 plus. And uh, 23,000 reviews, it'll say also 1,000 plus. Oracle. <laughs> I, I think something like this, I, I mean, it may be a little bit different than that, but yeah. I, th I think they have to do something because it's, there's an imbalance in the marketplace. And Amazon's slow to move, so that, you know, this might be three years from now, but something is going to happen. It, ha it ha almost has to. Right. Okay. So if somebody is uh, ordering a product, they, they're manufacturing it now in China, uh, let's just say they're, they're going to China. Um, one of the biggest mistakes I see people posting about in our Facebook group and the FBA high rollers group on Facebook is that they're like, Oh, I got my product in and it's not exactly, it's not like the samples, you know, the packaging was messed up or they did this or they did that. Um, and I'm realizing people aren't using inspection companies. They're, they're not understanding or they're thinking I've got to inspect it when it gets here and it's too expensive to ship back. I saw somebody say that I go, I can't send it all back to my factory because it's going to cost way too much money. They're missing the whole idea of how to do inspections, right? So can you tell us a little bit about how you do this, uh, your process, and then maybe throw out a name or two that you think you would recommend that are good? Yeah, sure. I, well, so if I, the way it works, if, if you're new to this business, typically most Chinese factors, if you're uh, going to want a 30% deposit, some might want a 40%. I've never paid more than 40. I have one company. I pay 40, the rest are 30. So you can pay them that 30% deposit. You're going to create a pro forma invoice or some people like to do a big long contract. I don't think that's necessary. Um, you know, let, until you get really big and you're doing serious numbers, but in the beginning, a pro forma invoice and on that invoice, you're going to specify uh, several parameters. Uh, and one of those is you're going to say uh, is uh, an inspection by a third independent third party company is going to be made. And if this inspection fails, uh, and you'll actually say the standards in there, you know, if more than uh, 10 pieces have a serious problem, if more than uh, 25 pieces, whatever your number is, 25 pieces have a, a minor problem, um, then the inspection fails. And if the inspection fails, you have to fix the problems in the entire order and you have to go back and you pay, you, the factory, pay for the new inspection using my company. That's what I 
that's what I make my companies do. So I tell them up front, this will be inspected, not by someone on your floor, not by your sales agent, but by an independent company. So that tells them, Hey, we, we better not screw around here. We better, you know, make sure this is good. Um, and then my company, once, once they call me and they say, Hey, Kevin, the, uh, you know, we got your, we got your crap ready. I'll, I'll be like, okay. Uh, my, my company I use is top win inspection, T O P W I N. There's tons of them out there. I pay about $200. Uh, you know, there's some that are cheaper, but I feel that some of the cheaper ones cut corners or they're taking bribes. So I, I top win is a good one. They have offices in all the major manufacturing areas in China. They go in and I tell them specific stuff like, look for this, you know, make sure there's no rust on the bar if it's a metal thing or make sure, you know, this is packed in this way. Drop it from a meter to make sure, you know, drop the cases from a meter to make sure nothing happens. So the factory has everything packaged in the export boxes. It's like it's ready to go on the ship. And so my guys come in, they spend a day and they open everything. They sniff it. If it's a cooking thing, they'll cook, uh, you know, they'll cook eggs on it. Uh, if it's a, uh, has a logo, they'll take a piece of tape and put a piece of scotch tape to see if the logo comes off. Um, they do everything and, and they'll, they'll typically on an order of a, like a thousand pieces, they'll randomly select 80. Typically, uh, uh, about 80 or so will get randomly selected out of different boxes. And then whatever they find, the factory has to fix. And they, they send me about a 30-page report with photos of everything, photos of what the office looks like, photos of what the factory floor looks like, photos of what the boxes look like, all the pieces. They'll weigh it. Uh, you know, if I have had them where I had on my package. This weighs uh, 2.1 kilos, and it really only weighed 2.02. .02. So they'll tell me that, you know, or whatever it may be. And then I'll, I'll decide with the factory, like, if there's enough stuff, if it fails, they have to fix it. And I've gone through that. I do that with every single one of my, my orders. That way it's not here. It hasn't been shipped here yet. I don't have to deal with it here. It's all dealt with on that side. I haven't paid them the rest of their money. Um, and then I also put in a clause similar to what you do, Manny, that says, hey, any defects I get that are found here from the customers from Amazon, you have to give me replacements on the next order. And they'll agree to that. And so then it's, once it passes all this, I give them the rest of their money and they ship it over. That's awesome. That way I don't have to deal with anything here. Uh, and then I usually also tell them, send me some extra pieces. You know, if the, say it's an exercise device and it's got six different pieces, I'll say as part of the deal, I want 50 extra pieces of everything, just loose parts. And then I'll say, I want 50 extra. If I'm putting in a really nice box, I want 50 extra boxes. You got to throw those in. And that way, what, when, once they get the product gets here, because nothing's ever going to be perfect. Nothing out of China is 100% perfect. You're all, even though you do an inspection, you're still going to sometimes have an issue. And so I, I then whatever gets returned from Amazon, I tell Amazon to ship it back to me. Um, and I go through them. And if there's a piece missing or maybe someone damaged something when they shipped it back to Amazon or, or whatever, I have the extra pieces. I can then put them back together and I can sell them as used, used like new, or I can sell them on eBay or, or somewhere else. And so I minimize my losses that way. That's great. I want to go back a little bit. You mentioned not only do you get the factory to um, fix things, but you also have on your purchase order uh, a clause and something that I do as well. Basically, so that when the product gets here, you're already selling on Amazon. If anybody returns products to Amazon saying that the product was damaged or in some way was defective, you'll you have the clause on there that says, hey, you will reimburse me or you will actually give me credit for X number of units uh, that where, where people actually do that, right? So if, if you get yeah. in a month, 100 people that, that return a product saying it was defective, the factory will give you 100 new units on your next order. Right, so if my next order is 1,000, they'll make it 1,000 and, and uh, 1,100 units right. on my next order right. is what they'll, what they'll typically do. Yeah, and I've had, I've had to do that 
several times. Um, and I've even gotten in a fight with one of my factories. I think I mentioned this on a previous podcast. They, after an inspection, they said that, they said, Kevin, there's nothing wrong with the product. Um, you know, there's, there has some small scratches on the side. The product works fine. I said, well, in the United States, a little small scratch on the side is not a new product. And we went round and round. They threatened me with all kinds of stuff. And in the end, they, they did what I wanted. They opened every single box and they fixed the problem. So yeah. you just have to hold your ground. And I've actually, I have one uh, vendor right now where I've thrown away the money. You know, I have one vendor where I actually ordered the product, paid them, I don't know, $4,000 as the 30% deposit. And then the inspection had an issue. Uh, they fixed it. It failed again. And then uh, I, I did some more research in, on the market. And I'm like, why the hell did I even do this product? Uh, I didn't do my homework properly. And I said, fuck it. You know, keep it. Do whatever you want with it. Uh, and they're like, what? But you always, we're not going to give you your money back. I said, I don't care. I and mean, keep it. I'm not, it's not worth bringing it over. Not worth continuing to go through this. Just don't worry about it. So I'm sure somewhere in China, someone's buying something with my logo on it somewhere. Oh, geez. Yeah. You see that all the time in the stores when you're walking around. So let, let's go back. Let's say I've done a research or I've done my research on a product, a lot of three and a half stars and, it, and it's saying, Hey, let's say it's a milk frother, right? And it says the handles are just too small. They don't fit. They're designed for for people in China with little hands or something, American hand. I don't know. I'm just using this as a bad example. <laughs> the hands are too big, right? So um, how would you go about fixing this? If the handle is literally too small, would you make something with a bigger handle? What's the, pro I mean, how does somebody even start to do something like that? Well, the first thing I would do is if I'm interested in selling a milk frother is I would go use the helium 10 tool, the, the Chrome extension uh, on helium 10 and I would download all the reviews. It's a free, I think it's free. Yes. Uh, it's a free, free deal where you can actually hit a button and I, I would go to the top five, 10 uh, sellers of milk frothers and download all the reviews. And then I would filter it uh, by all the negative reviews uh, looking for what the patterns of complaints. Um, and that's what I would try to fix. So it might be the handle. It might be something else. And then once I found whatever the problem was that people were complaining about, I would be, I would emphasize that in my bullet points that this, this is, this is the only one on Amazon that has big handles or, or whatever. And then I would go to the factory and I'd say, look, you know, either that factory can do it or I'd find another factory that has bigger handles or if no factories have it, I'm not afraid to make a mold. I've made molds. So I would hire someone off of Upwork, uh, which I've done and say, I need a CAD design. I need a mold made, you know, here's the, and the factory might even give you the original CAD and someone can just go in. In some cases I've had the factory do it for me just for a thousand bucks for a very uh, complicated product where they just said, give us a thousand bucks. We'll do the new CAD stuff. You approve it and we'll apply the thousand dollars to your first order. Um, you know, so it costs me nothing or you can go to Upwork and find someone to do it and modify it a little bit. Um, I've done that. Um, I've spent anywhere from uh, $500 to as much as $35,000 on molding. Just, I don't recommend you do the 35,000 if you're first starting. Uh, but yeah, you want to differentiate because if you're just enough, if you're just the same as everybody else on Amazon, you, you, it, it's going to be difficult to compete. You, you yeah. got to, and there's, I mean, years ago, 10 years ago, you know, companies paid millions of dollars for this kind of market research that you have at your fingertips now on Amazon. This just looking at customer reviews. There's, it's like a gold mine that, 10 years ago, people would stand in the mall and ask you questions, fill out surveys, and they would have focus groups and bring customers in to their New York office and say, okay, tell us what you don't like about the product, or they'd send someone into the stores to observe people. It, it cost a lot of money, took a lot of time, and right now you can do it in a matter of minutes with tools on Amazon. It, it's amazing what you can do. Yeah. What other tips would you give people uh, once they've got the product here, they're ready to 
it's, it's going to Amazon. What's your next step? What do you do to get ready for the, uh, the big windfall of, of sales? Well, well, before I actually pick the product, it's all about the keywords. I mean, everything on Amazon, success or failure on Amazon is not how much money you have. It's not how great you are at marketing. It's not how big your Facebook audience is. It's the product you choose. And you can't get hung up. A lot of people will take months and months and months to pick that one magic product. Just get going. If your first product doesn't work, um, you know, you're going to learn. It's like you're getting an MBA, uh, you know, and, and Amazon, the second one's going to, going to do well. So it's all about the keywords. You have to make sure that demand is there. Um, and so once you've done that uh, and you've got the product over, uh, you got to create a killer listing. I mean, you got to make sure you use the right keywords. You got to make sure you use the right title. You got to have, you got to spend a little bit of money on images so you can hire a photographer. Uh, I don't recommend you do it yourself or there's services out there that will do it for you um, and, and get a really you want to put, it's kind of like dating, uh, you know, and you want to put your best foot forward. And the first, on your first date, you're not going to wear your, your sweatpants and not brush your teeth uh, and hope that they like you. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're, you're going to, you're going to brush your teeth and put on some cologne and wear, wear some nice pants or whatever. So it's the same thing with Amazon. You, you know, you uh, people, people eat with their eyes first. Uh, you know, so when they see, they're going to judge you. They don't know who you are. They don't know you from Adam. They never heard of uh, Kevin's brand.com or Kevin Inc or whatever. So they're going to look at the pictures and make a decision. Uh, if the price is right, it's what they're looking for. And the pictures look good. You're, you're in, they're like, let's do it. I mean, so, and they make those decisions really fast. People, you know, some people will study your Amazon listing, but most people are making those decisions. It's just like on a dating app. You know, if you've ever used a dating app and you're flipping through yes, no, left for yes, right for no, left for yes and right for no. It's the same thing on Amazon. They're making those split decisions pretty quickly in most cases. Yeah. So you got your images, you know, your thumbnail being the, the most important image. It's the first one they're going to see when they do a right. search. Any tips on that thumbnail? That thumbnail needs to stand out. I mean, something I like to do is whatever I'm doing with that product, uh, I like to show it at a different angle or show it with some sort of prop if you can get away with that. Uh, you can actually, if, the, if it has a lot of pieces, you can spell something out, uh, you know, like uh, I, have a, do that. Yeah. Yeah, I have a dog treat. Uh, and so I, it's a bag of dog treats. And so I spell the word dog with, you know, take the treats, little image treats and make a D-O-G and then put the package next to it just so that when people are scrolling through the trees, they're like, oh, what is this one? It makes you stop. I'll always take my picture and I will take Photoshop and I will superimpose it over, you know, I'll take a screenshot of the, the best sellers and I'll take mine and just kind of stick it in there. And then I'll see, does it make me stop as I'm scrolling down really quick? Does the cut do the colors? I mean, colors make a difference. Um, you know, make sure you, if you have variations, use the color that pops the most. Uh, uh, or so there's so many things you can do. You've got to get that attention. Um, and anything you can do in that main image to get that attention, you should do. Yeah. And guys, if you, if you want, um, that's a great idea, right? Sticking your thumbnail, putting it on a, on one of the other thumbnails, just so you can see the search results and see if you look better than everything else there. If you're not sure about colors and variations, we talked about this just recently, uh, on, on a webinar we did, uh, you can use a site called PicFu and, uh, you can actually pay people. I think for as low as twenty to fifty dollars, you can go out and they'll actually um, tell you what's better. You know, the red one or the green one. What are they? Which one would they buy? And you can get some really good data with that. Yeah, I used to do some of that with Facebook. I'd run a Facebook ad and see which one got clicked on the most. But the PicFu uh, is is a really good 
uh, a really good way to, you know, it's for 20, 50 bucks, whatever it costs, it's, it's worth every penny. And that's where a lot of people get into this. They, they start pinching pennies mm-hmm. and, and you can't do that. Um, I mean, you don't need to waste money, uh, but you need to do this right. Um, and so I always tell people, if you're starting this business, you need two and a half times your initial inventory investment. So if you find a product that's going to cost you, uh, you know, $5,000 in inventory to buy a thousand units or five bucks a piece, you need 12,500 bucks to get into this business, to do it right. Can you succeed with less? Yeah, maybe, but you're probably not going to be one of the 13,000 that's still selling at the end of the year, um, you know, each year. Um, so you need, you need to make sure you, you don't cut corners. People will cut corners on the photos. People will cut corners. I don't know if the product's going to work. I don't, I want, I want to order a sample. I want to order 50 units and, and do a test. Fuck that shit. That's a waste of time. Do your homework up front and give your chance, the, the best chance of success. Don't be piddling around here. If you're trying to make this a business and be successful, do it right. Uh, and be willing to spend a little bit of money to make sure you're doing it right. Like the pick foo idea is, is, is brilliant because for 50 bucks, you're going to find out which picture people uh, are more likely to gravitate to you use that on your Amazon listing. Your chance of success is huge. I mean, I know at the uh, Illuminati live event we're doing in, in Kauai, um, where we have a, you know, a lot of big sellers, a lot of seven, eight figure sellers coming out for this really high end event that, that we're doing with Illuminati. One of the speakers is going to be talking about the A9 algorithm and how you have, he's got data that he's been studying and, and, and he's actually talked to people inside A9 that have given him some information, um, that, you know, the first seven days on Amazon are crucial, you know, when you launch a new product and they actually, some of those days they don't actually count you know, towards your averages. They give you like a little cush, a little buffer there, but he's going to be telling all about that and the irrelevance. And there's so much, so many things that you got to pay attention to for the best chance of success and, and be willing to spend a little bit of money and a little bit of time to make sure you give yourself that. Yeah. That's really, really good advice. Um, so you got your thumbnails, how many images minimum would you say you upload? And, and what happens if, you know, you got four good images and one decent image, okay image, would you put that one in there as well? I think you're a fool if you don't upload nine images and all nine need to be good. You're, you, now, don't upload, if you only have four good images and the, the fifth one's dark and grainy and it's the dog in the backyard taking a piss, you know, and the treat over on the side, don't use that image. Hmm. But you're going to be judged by your worst image. Um, but try to get nine good images that are different. Lifestyle images, you want to show the product in use. You, the customer wants to see that how is this, how will this, my life look if I'm using this? They want to see the results. So you want to show a before and after if you can, if you know, if you if your product is a, is a, a frosty mug or whatever you're talking about earlier, you're going to want to show it empty and you're going to want to show it full with bubbles coming out. Just like, you know, when you see the, the Pepsi ads and the, the Coke ads and they got the little effervescent bubbles and all the little stuff, it, it makes you like, ah, that makes you kind of lick your lips. You know, I'm a little, third right now i want one you got to do that um you got to show if it's a polish for a car show the car dirty and then show it clean um you know if it's a treat for a dog be sure you actually show not only a happy dog but a happy human because people get delight out of giving making their dog happy they treat them like kids so you got to think about all those kinds of things in your images and you need to show the image from different angles um you know what its major features are i would use one of your image one of your graphic spots for like call outs, you know, emphasizing with little bullets and arrows and whatever, you know, does this, does this, show it in pieces. 
um, really because that's your salesman. Most people on Amazon, they're not going to read your bullets and they're not going to read your description. A few will, but mo the, those are more for getting you indexed and for the anal people that just read everything. Most people are going to look at the price and they're going to look at your images. And so you can, and your, if your images are strong, you can justify a higher price in a lot of cases. Okay. And a lot of people, well, you mentioned, you know, the, the bullets and the description is for indexing. So that's where you're putting all your keywords. So Amazon knows your product is related to those keywords. Now the images, one of the, the hangups I see people, I actually see people incorrectly try to correct people say, no, yeah, you can use arrows and this, and you can use graphics. And they're like, no, you can't. Amazon doesn't allow that. They're confusing the main image, the thumbnail image with the rest of the images, right? Yeah, your main image is supposed to be on a white background. Now, you'll see people all the time violating this. They'll put a, a Santa Claus hat or they'll put Prime Day or they'll do something <clears throat> in there, uh, but you're not technically supposed to do that. You might be able to get, get away with it, but you're not supposed to do that. So your main image is supposed to be on a pure white background, and you want to make sure that that image is huge. Fill up as much as that, of that background, almost to the edges. Don't put a little tiny image in there. Fill it, fill it up. And then the rest of the images, two through nine, you can do whatever the heck you want, pretty much. Um, sorry, yeah. sorry. Go ahead, Kevin. You, you were just cut out for a second. Oh. Go ahead. <laughs> and uh, soon you're going to have the ability, if you're brand registered, to put video in there. Yeah, it's been in beta testing, so and I think that's going to be a major difference. And you're gonna, if you don't have good video now, you're going to want to start thinking about it because I think that's going to be a, a major differentiator uh, for a lot of people by being able to put a video in the in your image stack. And so, um, yeah, absolutely. So, so I want to go back to what you just said about this is something I see so many people making mistakes on guys, your thumbnail image or your main image, which becomes your thumbnail, right? Your primary image. I see, let's say that you're selling a, uh, I don't know. I, I always drink coffee out of one of these things right here. Right? So let's say you're drinking, this is your product. You want to make sure that the space between the top of your image and the bottom of your image and your product, that there's not a gap, right? On either, you want to make it as, as, as far out to each side as possible, because if you don't, it's still going to show up like that. And you're, and you're not going to see it with the white background. Um, it's going to look like your image is much smaller than everybody else's image when you do a search. So, and you've seen this a million times, go do a search for something. The things that stand out are the really big images, right? Cause they're stretching that all the way. They've got like literally one pixel on each side. You got to let your graphics guy or whoever's doing your photography to know that, Hey, I want my product to go right up to the very edge. And Kevin, you use, uh, you, you actually go beyond the resolution that Amazon asked for, right? Yeah. I do, I do 3000 by 3000. Amazon says 1500 or thousand by thousand, but I do 3000 by 3000 just to make sure they're really crisp and clean. Mm. And something like in your case of that mug you just showed, I might, instead of putting it up and down, I'm, if everybody else on the page is up and down, I might put it at an angle. Like this. Yeah, because yeah, at an angle. This is something just so I stand out differently. You could bring it a lot closer and still fill in the screen, right? Yeah. Okay. That's a good so, idea. So just to stand out, because you, you got to catch the person as they're scrolling. Just think about it, you know, even like in your Facebook feed, you're scrolling, whatever catches your attention is what you stop on. It's the same thing on Amazon. Okay, great. What about advertising? People say sponsored ads. It's so confusing. Do I even need to do this when I launch my product? Absolutely. If you don't do sponsored ads when you launch a product, you're a moron. You're stupid. You're, you're just stupid. You're a penny pension idiot. Uh, because uh, now there's, you need to at a minimum do uh, an automatic campaign. Now, if you don't know what 
you know, don't, you don't have to do a manual at the beginning, uh, but you got to do an automatic campaign because you need to know for two reasons. One, you need to validate your product to make sure Amazon understands your product, that you're actually showing up for the keywords you should be showing up for, that you're getting clicks for keywords you shouldn't be, that you're in the right category. That's number one. Number two is you need to know what you're converting on because you do that mug, frosty mug, and you're thinking like, look, you do your keyword research and you see that, okay, Frosty Mug gets, you know, you're using Cerebro tool, for example, and doing a reverse ASIN and on the comp competitors and you see Frosty Mug gets, uh, I don't know, 20,000 exact searches a month. You're like, ah, I'm going to go after Frosty Mug. I can compete. And, but Frosty Mug may not be what they're buying uh, your product on. They may be buying, buying it on insulated silver mug or some other keyword, that's what you're getting all your sales on. And that keyword may only have 5,000 exact searches a month, but you're dominating on there. So you need to know that. And there's no way you can know that without running sponsored ads. You'll, Amazon doesn't tell you anything about conversions unless you run sponsored ads. So in the beginning, you need to run uh, automatic sponsored ads to validate, number one. And number two is to see what you're converting on. Because what I'm, I do is after I, I run... All right, guys, it looks like we did lose Kevin. He's in a frozen mode there. We're going to continue this on part two. I'm going to get him back because this is uh, not over yet. This is really cool. So we'll see you in part two. You've been listening to the AM PM podcast hosted by Manny Coates. For more information, insider tools, and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit ampmpodcast.com.